You are listening to the Be The Bridge podcast with Latasha Morrison. How are you guys doing today? It's exciting. Each week, Be The Bridge podcast tackles subjects related to race and culture with the goal of bringing understanding. But I'm going to do it in the spirit of love. We believe understanding can move us toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial unity. Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be The Bridge, which is an organization responding to racial brokenness and systemic injustice in our world. This podcast is an extension of our vision to make sure people are no longer conditioned by a racialized society, but grounded in truth. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please do so now. Without further ado, let's begin today's podcast. Oh, and stick around for some important information at the end. Okay, Be The Bridge community, I have a special treat. Every week that we have a podcast, it's always a special treat because these are people that are pouring their life into their work, into their um, writings or their poetry or to their ministry or um, to their community or world. Um, And so today I have a special treat and she's really special because we share the same name. And I don't know if you've heard of her, but you want to go and make sure you follow her. Her name is Tasha June. That's right. I said Tasha June. Uh, We are the Tashas here today. And so I'm going to say her name a lot because I just love my name and I love her name. And so um, Tasha June is a Korean-American storyteller. Writing has always been the way God has led her toward home and the hope of Shalom. She currently writes as a monthly contributor for Encourage and has been featured in publications such as Relevant Magazine, Fathom Magazine, Home Life Magazine, and The Mudroom. Um, Tasha lives in the greater Indianapolis area with her husband and three children. And she also has a book coming out, May the 9th, 2023, and it's called Tell Me the Dream Again, Reflections on Family, Ethnicity, and the Sacred Work of Belonging. I love that because so much, you know, we talk about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, but belonging is such a huge part of that because you can have those um and if people don't feel like they belong um it just does a disservice and so you can have a you know you can have that diversity but those of you if you have diversity in your organization or your community or your church um you know as people um who are not the majority do they feel like they belong there and i just did this exercise with um with some students at a at a at a high school and you know a lot of the children you know a lot of the students stood up and said that they felt like they belonged but there were a handful like there were several that felt like they didn't and so you can discount that because you say well majority of them feel like they belong but then you ask the question why don't you feel like you belong you know why do you feel unseen maybe you feel unheard or maybe something has happened maybe you know there's a lot of things underneath that to get underneath that so I think that's just uh just a great title and I know that's a part of your your story of belonging and tell me a little bit how you came um up with that title and what 
what does belonging mean to you, Tasha? Mm, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I love being with another Tasha. Yeah. Um, <laughs> super fun. So I'm really grateful to be here. Um, yeah, that was good. That was really interesting what you shared about the high school. Yeah. Um, just like goes to my heart. I'm um, just thinking about those that didn't feel that um, and how you can have both yeah. in one place. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I think for me, when I dug a little deeper into some of my own pain, um, I just kept coming back to that desire to belong. And in my story, the places where I struggled to um, find that or receive that, um, or offer that on the flip side. But, um, and so I just kept coming back to that. And as a deep feeler, I think I just, I kind of had to stay there for a while. Um, and I think for me, belonging is being able to, um, be in a place or a space, um, where you are your whole self um, and where your whole self is welcome um, to stretch out and also um, have room to become at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, because I think sometimes it's a process for us, you know, um, embracing that whole self and and bringing it, I guess. So um, I think there's more to it, but I think that's kind of the the core of it. Yeah. Yeah. And what was life like growing up as as Tasha? Um, and I know your mom, you said your mom called you Tasha June. Yeah. <laughs> you gave me a little history about that. Could you explain to the audience like a little bit of history about your your name? Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, the Tasha part was, I mean, that was a little random because <laughs> my my parents liked an actress called, I, I think her name was Natalie Wood and her daughter's name was Natasha, uh-huh. but they didn't want it. Um, they wanted it to be different. Both of them, they kind of both carry that, um, uh-huh. born to a Korean mother and a white father. Um, and so they picked Tasha uh-huh. and, um, June is just a name that my mom loved. It's Korean. Um, I didn't find out until later though, that it, um, she said that usually boys were named June. Um, <laughs> And usually there's more to it, like June Ho or June, you know, another yeah. part to it. Right. Um, but again, with that wanting to be different, they they just took June. And, you know, I have memories of my mom saying it very affectionately. Um, it is what she called me when she was being really affectionate or when she was really mad at me. So it's like, Tasha Chan, you know. Um, so it's just very much like yeah. dear to me um, because of that. So. Right. <laughs> I, and. You know, my my name is actually Latasha, but I go by Tasha. And I was okay. telling you, I was born in June. And my <laughs> grandfather, now to hear that, like, June is a Korean name, but it maybe is attached to other things. But my grandfather's name is June <laughs> also. <laughs> but um, so, so really interesting. Names mean something. And I, I love the fact that, um, you know, I know growing up, you I, I had this distaste for my name because it was mm-hmm. very, um, you know, what you would say, the best way I could put it, you could identify my ethnicity <laughs> by my name in some yeah. ways. But in, but what I'm learning as I, I, I've grown up is like, there's so many different people named Tasha, like, yeah. because it actually is, I think, a, a Russian name, like yeah. Tasha. And, um, and so I'd be all types of people with the name um, Tasha. So, but when you think about this is the name that your parents gave you and to be a 
appreciative and just to 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 love that. And I think it means um like the birth of Christ or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's you know, that was when I was like, oh, that's that's like significant. I love yeah. that. <laughs> so great, great. Now tell me a little bit about um, did you grow up in Indiana? I didn't. Um, I was actually born in California. Um, my dad is from California and he grew up there. Um, and that is where he and my mom met. And um, we lived there for a little while, then moved to Wisconsin okay. for a year and then New York for a year. And then we actually moved to Japan. Um, and that was a big move, um, not just because it was overseas, but um, we lived there for kind of like my formative elementary school years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we actually got to travel as a family to Korea. So the first time I ever went to Korea was um, through in the summers throughout those years. And then moved um, back to California, to the city that I was born in. Mm-hmm. And then right before high school, moved to Indiana. So that's when Indiana came to the picture. And it was a, it was a big shock. <laughs> so yeah, it was a big change. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I remember, I've, I've been through Indiana. I've never mm. been there. I can't recall. I pro- There are places that I've been that I just yeah. remember. I'm telling you, I'm getting older and sometimes I'm <laughs> I get that. <laughs> but I just remember going through there. I think we were on our way um, to Illinois and, okay. um, and there was a snowstorm. And this is probably when yeah. I was in college. And there was like a major snowstorm. And they were like, you can go over here to this restaurant when the bus stopped, or you can go to this restaurant. And it was like a mom and pop or a McDonald's. And we were trying to make it to the McDonald's, which was only probably about 100 yards away. But we could not make it. I had never seen snow come down like that. It was like a blizzard, it felt like. And we were probably, you know, I'm probably over-exaggerating, but it was like cold. And basically, hardly any of us, you know, made yeah. it. You know, I grew up in North Carolina. We didn't, you know, it, we would get snow. The weather has changed changed a lot on the East Coast. Yeah. But, you know, so we had winter clothes, but not like that type of winter clothes because there right. was like <laughs> actual blizzard that was coming down. So I don't know too much about Indiana, but I know you in your book, you 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 start um, your um, book off with the prologue of a story about a friend asking to come over. And yeah. before he showed up, you looked around, checking the fridge for smells, searching to see if things were seemed normal. Um, you ended up not letting him in. You yeah. said you say in your book, you said, I, I've come to believe that the narrative that my ethnicity and cultural details would turn people away. At a young age, I learned to believe my Korean normal was embarrassing a barrier to belonging and the enemy of my deepest longings. You, you, you're you sharing your story. Um, you sharing your story will bring freedom to a lot of people because a lot of people think this, but mm. they do not articulate it. You know, mm. there's, there's shame or embarrassment with coming um, from that. You know, just kind of like what yeah. I said about my name, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, what are your hopes that you have for this book um, as maybe other little girls um, yeah. reading this that, that identify as you. you know, yeah. I mean, I think my deepest hope is that readers who come across it will feel seen, um, will know that they're not alone. Um, because I think, as you said, the shame that I think we feel sometimes or that we're taught to feel um, about who we are and then the shame that we feel for feeling those things because mm-hmm. it's kind of wrapped yeah. in you know, um, can really isolate us. Um, 
And I think there's a lot more stories out there now that help, but that's my deepest hope is that people will feel seen and not alone. Cause I do think that that, that gives a doorway to freedom and to, you know, feeling like your story can be liberated. Um, and I also just hope that, um, even though I'm writing really specifically about me, Mm-hmm. I know some people will have really similar experiences, but I hope that being really specific will help people to be specific about themselves, you know, um, and just just take a look within um, and be able to see their own values and or their own distinctions with value, I should say, and attention, like give attention to those things. Right. Um, and we we take a lot of our really um, our self-esteem um our confidence, you know, and a lot of times our racial identity from our mom, you know. Um, And I've heard um, um, Kathy Kong, she has stated before about how her mom came over um, from Korea with all these beautiful, like, um, Korean um, um, outfits. And she was saying that they were put in this trunk and she stored them away because she wanted to fit in. And wearing those those beautiful garments would not allow her to fit in. And, yeah. and so there's this assimilation process that her mom went through. Sometimes in order to, to thrive or, or survive, yeah. it's like a lot of times survival. Um, and so sometimes, you know, um, you, you, you don't teach the language to the next generation because you don't want them to be um, picked on or harassed, yeah. you know. Um, what was, you know, what was that like with your mom? Like you said, yeah. your mom is um, Korean-American and your father is um, is white. So what was that like? What? How did your mom, like, infuse who you are in you? Or, or if she did, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, I would say that, So for her and her own experience, when she first came over to the States, it was actually with her first marriage. um, And that was a very difficult experience. Um, Her first time in the U.S. was very, um, just really difficult. Um, She she did not know any other Koreans. um, So, I mean, almost immediately when she set foot here, it was like, there was nowhere for her to express herself. Um, She didn't, she learned English um, from watching TV. And, um, and so by the time I was born, um, I think she, that's that all of that was still very fresh. And I think she did not want me to struggle. And so whether she realized it or not, you know, I mean, she'll say now I tried to teach you Korean, but you didn't listen, you know? Um, but I remember as a kid, you know, I think she was still learning English and she was also wanting to me, wanting me to have everything that she felt like she couldn't have. Mm. And so, um, that was never articulated, but it was very felt. And so my experience was that at home, everything was very Korean. Um, you know, the way that she moved, the way that she nurtured me with food or cared for me, it was all very Korean. Like even bath time, it was very typical Korean where we had like the nylon washcloths and she scrubbed my back and we bathed together. And I had, there's a story in the book about how, when I realized this wasn't typical for my non-Korean friends, you know, and just how shocking it was for me. But, um, and then I would step out the door um, and I feel like she was probably of my parents, like the, the louder one or the, the one, I mean, culturally and, and as the mother, I think yeah. 
I think what you said was really right on. Like it just was how our home was run. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if the language wasn't there, it was very Korean, like down to the core. Um, But then when I would step outside, it was a whole nother world, you know? And so I was constantly, without even thinking about it, stepping out and like, okay, I put that away. So then the thought of having someone come into that was like, oh, (laughs) Like, this is a whole nother side of me that I don't bring with me anywhere. Um, Or I don't, I try not to at least. Um, So yeah, I I really think that that was true for her. I think for her, it was survival. um, And just not wanting me to go through any of the pain that she went through. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that because I know those are tender um, parts of you. And so thanks for sharing that. And hopefully those that are listening, you know, um, this may resonate with you. Um, I know a lot of times when I'm talking um, to to people who are actually identify as biracial, we were just in a, um, in a, actually another school. (laughs) And um, one of the, the, one of our team members who is biracial, um, because of the the kids noticed that they had a lot of questions, like how do you mm. navigate um, both sides of your family, especially yeah. in this the tension of the culture with um, you know maybe home is a safe space with your parents, but maybe when you're visiting grandparents or aunts or uncles or cousins, it's not so much as a safe space and trying to navigate yeah. that because you love all all the parts of you. And right. so they were just really wanting to know, like, how, how do you navigate that? Like, how do you navigate being um, this this particular person is black and white? They were saying, how do you how are you navigating this? And so that's important, you know, where you were saying, like, at home was very much so Korean. But when you stepped out the door, it was like you you. um you put on a mask almost. Yeah. This is what, I mean, and I can relate to that in a sense. Mm. Of, um, as an African-American, we've always had to do that, you know, for, mm. for survival in many ways. So I totally understand exactly what you mean, where, you know, maybe we change our our accent um, or maybe yeah. we articulate things a certain way or maybe, you know, many of us change our names, you know. Yeah. Um, um, because of our, 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 maybe our name sound more ethnic or as a name that's joked about or mm-hmm. like that. So I, I, I totally understand. Um, you also feel, you say a lot about, um, you didn't, you didn't feel completely um, Korean either, that you have always been caught between two worlds, American and Korean, faith and doubt, family de- in, um, devotion and fierce independence. Um, could you share a little bit more about what you were feeling unfit as a Korean, but somehow too Korean in some other places? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the too Korean is kind of like what we talked about already. Um, and, yeah. and I'm thinking more when we moved to Indiana, that was kind of the shocker where I was in a space for the first time that was predominantly white, Mm -hmm. um, where I could count the number of Asians, not just in my grade, but in the entire school on one hand. Mm -hmm. Um, And I looked for them, you know, just as like, without even thinking about it. Um, And so I think that was just a really formative time for me um, moving to moving here um, in high school. And so during that time, I think I felt too Korean. Um, you know, my first day of school, I had people coming up to me, um, 
and this kind of sums it all up saying, are you the new Chinese girl? Um, are you Hawaiian? Are you Mexican? And, and that's partially because of I, by being biracial, they couldn't quite tell because I looked Asian, but didn't fit the stereotype that they had right. known, <laughs> which was very slim, yeah. you know, inaccurate. Um, but, but just feeling like, gosh, like, people have the audacity to come yeah. up to me and yeah. just ask me these questions yeah. and expect me to answer them. Um, so there was that, but then on the flip side, um, you know, when I was younger and we lived in Japan, um, the first things I learned to say in Japanese was, you know, watashi wa American jin desu. I'm American and watashi wa kankoku jin. I would say I was Korean um, because they would be confused mm-hmm. about when I said I was American, they were like, what? You know, because yeah. we expect someone different with blonde hair and blue eyes, you know, yeah. and then I would say I'm Korean and then it was even more confusing. <laughs> so then the first time we went to Korea one summer, our first summer there, we were actually looking for my mom's family because she had lost contact with her family and lost family members because of the Korean War. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we're looking for her family And I had just experiences all over the place where, um, and this is also in the book, but where, you know, these, these high school kids bit on my sister and I, um, and I didn't, I had no idea why. And then later my mom had explained to me it's because your dad is white and they don't like that you are mixed and that you're here. Um, Mm. and I'm like, oh, I'm thinking we're going home to Korea, (laughs) you know, and feeling like, oh, I didn't know there were people here that just, Mm -hmm. you know, hate and and kind of have blame, you know, because of what had happened during the war. So, and I couldn't understand that as a child, Mm -hmm. but now, you know, having more contact, it's like, oh, that's a really complicated feeling, like not, you know, anyway, so there was that. And then also feeling like, oh, they don't see you as Korean. They see you as American. You're my American daughter um, and you are not Korean. (laughs) And so it was just shocking, I think, um, and then in some Korean American communities, um, my mom would try to bring us into my sister and I, and just feeling very much like, oh, we're not the same. Mm. You know, there's something different here. We can't speak. I don't know what they're talking about. Right. So yeah, just kind of being shocked by that and wondering, oh, so I don't belong there, but then I don't really belong here. Right. Right. <laughs> Nowhere. You know. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, those I know people who are listening. Many of you can identify with that. Um, you mm. know, African Americans, we can identify that. I've been back to Africa, and you know, people yeah. are like, "Where are you from?" And you say you're American, like, okay, because they ident- they think American is white, and so yeah. then they find out oh, you they see you as American, but then it's like, okay, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from North Carolina, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but where are your grandparents from? They're also from North Carolina. Yeah. And we can go back five, six generations, you know. And so just, but that was the longing for me to, because of those questions, was to try to find out, you know, Um, because I didn't realize there was a a piece of me. So I think, you know, with you going back, we talked about before um, going to Korea. Um, I just, you know, went to Korea with um, my best friend in October, of 2022. And this was a, a trip that we had planned for a long time. And um, it was incredible. Now, you know, I, I, now you're talking about standing out. <laughs> Tall, 
old black girl with braids, yeah. I stood out in Korea and they made it known that I stood out because everybody was looking. Oh, no. But you know, but because I prepare myself for that when I go yeah. to another country that's like expected, you know? Yeah. Um but no one was really, no one was rude or anything. Mm. It was like, I probably would stare at me too. Like, <laughs> you know, but um, especially with the the curiosity of the braids and, and all of that. And so uh, my friend, she was looking for more people that looked like her because she mm. is biracial, of yeah. American and um, Korean. And she didn't see that. She didn't, you know, we, mm-hmm. we were trying to find and She was just, she thought she would see, she said more people that yeah. were, um, biracial. So I don't know. I think she's still even processing the trip, you know? And so oh, like, what, what has it been like for you, um, going back in as adult and maybe mm-hmm. taking your children? Yeah. So, um, we haven't been back with, so we've got two boys and a daughter and our daughter is actually adopted from Korea. Okay. So the most recent time that I went back as an adult was with my husband was when we brought her home. Okay. Um, and our boys have not been yet. And she's obviously been cause she was born there, but she doesn't remember much. Okay. So part of wanting to go back is just for all of us, okay. you know? Um, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, but going back as an adult was, I mean, I think it was shocking to me how much had changed from what I remembered as a child. I mean, right. the country has changed so much. Yeah. Um, and I didn't experience any of the negative things I had experienced before. Yeah. Um, but also I wasn't with my mom. And so I feel like I was almost a little bit more outside of, um, outside of the communities. Like not, I didn't, you know, step into as many okay. and, the trip was different, but yeah. we're excited to go in October. Yeah, though I can't. I can't wait. I mean, <laughs> it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful country. Um, it's very new because you know yeah. the impact of the of the war and everything. And um, but you know, like one of the things is like all the buildings are like shiny and new. Yeah. I couldn't find like any like trash like do, they do not litter there like so if you ever go do not litter there like you will get a ticket like do not litter yeah. um they are serious about that and um everything is just really clean you know mm. very clean and and when you talk about like the um like um the, you know the smells like you were trying to you know you didn't want your friend to to smell um anything um it's so funny because like like first of all, I love kimchi. <laughs> you know, but it's like going there. I realized that people have we just behind. Like they have like special refrigerations for yeah. um for the food, and so you don't really. I I didn't smell anything. Like we went to yeah. a fish market. It was the cleanest fish market that I had ever gone to in my <laughs> life. Like it, it's just totally different. So you you can see that. Um, as a part of the culture, like image, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. You probably know yeah. more about it, but I was just really just intrigued that we went to a fish market and I've gone to fish markets with my grandmother and yeah. it did not look like and smell like <laughs> what I, you know, I, yeah. I've seen. And I tried to capture as much of, of, um, of my visit on um, video because I like to, for people, sometimes we can make assumptions about things and people yeah. and groups of people. And yeah. we don't really know until we step in. And so I, mm-hmm. I wanted to record video um, so that people could see, you know, so people can see as you travel, like 
wow, we have a lot in common, you know, we have some of the same things and, you know, um, sure. I I love to do that. Um, How would you say you, you, you talk a little bit about this in your book too. You say, how, how do you feel like as a, the American church has failed to see and embrace your ethnic identity? Yeah. Um, it's such a hard question, you know, cause I, I definitely, I see myself as part of the American church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think looking back on my own journey, mm-hmm. um, I see the places, you know, where I was afraid or where I held back and, um, not that it's all on me, but I do regret a lot of like that holding in that hiding. Um, but on the flip side, I think, you know, when I look back, you know, from decades ago to just not that long ago, yeah. um, I think there was so much pressure to assimilate, not mm-hmm. just in, you know, greater culture, American culture, but also especially within the church. Yeah. And so um, my experience and, you know, I didn't start going to church regularly until I was in high school. So in Indiana, again, mm-hmm. Um, was very much that there was this pressure to assimilate to a white expression of church community. Um, And not just that it was the only way or it was because the majority of people were white. It was, you know, it was, I think I felt that it was the right way to do things Mm. Um, and and got that feeling, whether it was explicitly said or just, you know, where it's silent, but you feel it so deeply. Um, So I think even like early on in my faith journey, I think people would reiterate people a part of the church or people that were, you know, in leadership over me that my identity was in Christ. And this was often a response to me bringing something up about my ethnicity, like a desire to to start working through that, Mm -hmm. um, but having no space to do that and kind of, you know, being told that in such a shallow way, like yeah. your identity is in Christ. So that doesn't matter. So then you, you know, like me for so long thought I was crazy. Like just right, right. why is this so hard for me? Um, yeah. You know? And so, yeah, I think there's just such, there can be, there has been, there still is just such a rejection, whether it's intentional or not, you know, towards curiosity and, just this kind of widespread ignorance when it comes to like learning and receiving history and how that's very much matters for our church communities, right. you know? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> you know, that's, that's good. I mean, cause I've, I've heard that, you know, our, our, our identity as Christians is in Christ. And so I would also put that back on, um, you know, um, people who are part, um, what you would say, as a the white culture doesn't see themselves as a ethnicity, you know, and so right. I think it's important for we teach and be the bridge, like to find out those roots, yeah. you know, because you also are part of of an ethnicity and that you also have an identity that shows up very strong in our culture and very strong in Christian culture. You know, Uh, we conflict um, Christian culture with um, European culture a lot. Like, so a lot of things that we say are Christian culture is really European culture. You know, we call um, certain names, Christian names. And it's like, uh, no, Johnny is not a Christian name. (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> that's my baptism right. name. No, that's your European name. <laughs> so, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, so it's just even stuff like that, that, you know, that there's not one um, ethnicity, not one culture that can rec- represent the totality of who God is. It takes right. every nation, every tribe. And I think we have to realize that, you know, we are a part of a tribe. We are a part of a nation. And so that helps us not to other other people outside yeah. of that framework. And I think that's really important um, yeah, for us to see, you know. Um, you know, what What would you say, um, how can we become better listeners when it comes to the complex stories of the biracial experience? Mm, um, that's such a good question. Um, I think one of the biggest things I think to kind of just maybe just understand or to know mm-hmm. is that those of us that are biracial or multiracial, like that we embody this kind of like nonstop both and experience. Um, And we embody this diversity within ourselves, you know, that we see out there, it's kind of ingrained. Um, So I think keeping that in mind Uh while listening to anyone's story um, is just really important. Um, And then just beyond that, that we, we can't really be categorized you know, when it comes to our own identities and experiences, mm-hmm. I think most of us have been asked to pick one, um, mm-hmm. whether that's like on a census or, you know, um, even sometimes within our own families, um, mm-hmm. which is very confusing. And then also just in the world, um, you know, wanting to know where our allegiance is or something. It's very strange. Um, so I think... Um, knowing that that is kind of what most of us have probably been through in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, but want really want, I think at our core to, to, to bring our whole stories and, yeah. and they're very different. Like, you yeah. know, just depending on, right. <laughs> you know, mother, father mix, you know, yeah. it's just yeah. really different, but wanting to be able to bring that um, and tell it ourselves, I think is just a desire and just important, just important, just important, just important, just important, just important, just important. Just important. If you've been enjoying and learning from the Be The Bridge podcast, we invite you to join us in this work. You can support and sustain our mission as a recurrent partner at bethebridge.com forward slash give. You can also help spread this word of bridge building by supporting and really sporting our apparel. So if you haven't gotten your Be The Bridge hat, sweatshirt, all of the things, let's take the message to the street. Visit our online store at shop.bethebridge.com and make sure we're spreading the word about all the work that Be The Bridge is doing and will do. At Be The Bridge, we're doing the work to empower people and culture toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial reconciliation. And this work is only possible because of the generosity of bridge builders like you. So thank you so much for those of you who are listening and sharing our podcast, sharing our posts, those of you who are giving to this work um, that's helping us create resources and material um, that will transform hearts. Um, So join us at bethebridge.com forward slash give and let's continue to build bridges together. Thank you so much.
we're just coming off of a season of award season um, here. And I don't know if you watched the Oscars or any of the yeah. awards leading up to that. And um, the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I have yeah. not seen it yet. So I, oh, I'm sorry. I had to admit, I have not seen I haven't seen <laughs> half of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to keep up. It's so hard to keep up. Yeah. Um, um, but um, Michelle, um, I, I I love her. I loved her in um, several of the movies that she's um, she's played in. But um, Michelle Yao, like um, yeah. she just won her first Oscar, and so like I mean, mm-hmm. I think it was the, the first. Um, Asian American woman to ever win an an Oscar, and I know, like even even you know, as an African American, seeing that, like it's like you're rooting for anyone that has been on the margins that have yeah. never received any. Yeah. I was really really glad because she's such a, I mean, she is an excellent like mm-hmm. um, actress. I mean, and and like. Just every movie, if you go back to all the movies that she's played in, I mean, even Crazy Rich Asians, like, I mean, yeah. I was like, that, she was like, no <laughs> joke in that movie. Um, um, and, you know, and I, I, I know, what did that feel like to you to see this representation? I know yeah. that it's going to d- do a lot for um, just young, you know, Asian American children, you know, that yeah. are seeing this and maybe, you know, in general, because in America, we just kind of put everybody in one category, although there's different identities, but we kind of do that. And so it's kind of like, you know, we all win, you know, in that six, you know. But um, I mean, what what did that feel like for you yeah. um, hearing that she won? Yeah, I mean, I cried, yeah. I think. Oh, you know, I love it. Remember, um, representation is so important to me, not just like on the outside, but just, you know, all these layers that are wrapped up in that. Um, I remember in high school, again, the first time I saw Joy Luck Club and I wrote about this, um, I wrote an article about this, but just, it broke a dam in me. Like just, it was the first time I had ever seen, you know, Asian American women on screen Mm. telling their stories in such a vibrant way. And these were Chinese American women. So not even the same, but it was just something. Yeah. And um, and then their mothers, it was like a mother daughter, right. you know, and so seeing people that were like my mom and just some of the struggles that they went right. through that I had never been able to talk about with anyone ever, um, never had found a place to talk about any of that, you know, it just broke this dam in me. And, you know, I didn't know the term representation matters then, but I knew right. that it was life changing, like it mm. changed something forever. Um, and so I think since then, anytime there's been anything, it's like, it's just a lot of joy. And then um, I think there's a little bit of grief too, if that's not weird to say, mm. because it's like, I think, gosh, like my kids are growing up. It's a little different, better. We have a long way to go, right? <laughs> but right. it's better. And I feel this grief for all the years of like, just not seeing it. Uh-huh. So it's like a double thing. Yeah. But I mean, when she won, I felt like I just cried because not only she's been in a ton of movies. Yeah. I remember going to see Crouching Tiger. Yeah, Hit a Dragon. Yeah. It was empty in the theater. I'm like, mm. why don't people know how amazing this, this is? That um, was an incredible movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. then to see her win and kind of it be acknowledged across the board, like this isn't just for Asian people. Like this yeah. is... Right, was, right. Like what you said. So I think that just felt... Is so deserved for her. And then just like, oh, like this big yeah. eye of relief of like, you know, joy. Um, yeah. And then just wanting more. I just yeah. want so much more yeah. for yeah. all of our communities, especially 
yeah. like you said, that are more marginalized and overlooked and yeah. 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 And I think it's important when we see movies, you know, that, you know, maybe like um, this movie has a, a lot of um, um, Asian actors in actors yeah. in the movie. Or if you see a movie that has more um, um, South Asian or, uh, you know, Bollywood films, all the, it, it right. doesn't mean it's not for you. Like we don't do that when it comes to any other movie. Like, you know, half of us has seen when Harry met Sally or you've got right. Bill or Sweet Home Alabama, you know, that yeah. none of those movies had any people of color in it, but we watch, you know, those movies yeah. because we enjoy them. I mean, look at Superman, Spider-Man, like all those things. And so yeah. just because it doesn't, if you're uncomfortable with seeing, um, and, and, and following, um, you know, um, if, if the lead actor doesn't look like you or actress doesn't look like you and you that makes you uncomfortable, that's something to examine, you know, oh, yeah. and to, to really look into like, why am I uncomfortable with this? You know, right. um, be, you know, and even when you go, you're going places, that's just a check, a thermometer check to see, like to really deal with those biases and um, yeah. that you may have and you may need to take pause and say, where is this coming from? You know, yeah. and and really press through those things. So if, if you haven't seen this movies, like if you haven't seen a movie um, that had um, a leading character that doesn't look like you, you need to go do that. If you haven't yeah. been in, in a place where you are the minority, you you need to go do that. You know, right. you need to, right. go to the, visit the other side of town. You need to go. You know, um, I, like look, I shop at um, Super H a lot of time, H Mart, and yeah. <laughs> I love Super H. I mean H Mart all the time like first of all they have the best fruit in there <laughs> so but you know like there's a lot of things you can do in your community to really um diversify and get out of this homogenous yeah. living because it really does a disservice and it does a disservice um to the kingdom of god you know and that's it oh, because yeah. like people i'm like i always ask people do y'all think like do you think eternity is gonna look like this like really <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know? Right. Yeah. So. I totally agree. It's yeah. like represent so I think sometimes it just feels like it representation, yes, it matters to me, but it's for everyone. Yes. Like, yeah. You're missing out. Yeah. For, and it, you're yeah. missing out. And yeah. that's what we think when when we think diversity is diver the um really divisive. Yeah, you have missed something because oh, yeah. diversity is a part of creation. Just how look how boring the world would be if we had only had one species of birds or oh yeah, you know the ocean. And I mean, you think about God's diversity from the beginning of Genesis one one, like and and then what is spoken in Revelation seven nine, like we 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 got we better get it together. Like yeah. <laughs> diversity is a part of God's plan from the beginning to the end. And when we see that other, we have really let some sinful secular um, notions really creep into mm. um, the faith, you know, um, mm -hmm. have you persevered through the losses and the injustices over the past year. You know, there's been a lot yeah. um, as it relates to, um, you know, um, the violence against Asian Americans yeah. here in our country and just so many things that are happening. I was just watching, um, um, a, a, a story about a family that was attacked. I mean, mm -hmm. severely attacked. Um, I think it was in California. And, you know, um, I mean, the mom received stitches, like oh. all of these things that happened. And this man is still walking around. And oh. they, they, th the police identified it as a traffic accident.
accident, when there was no traffic accident. um, Oh, wow. There was no traffic accident. It was like it was they pulled into the McDonald's and they were physically attacked by the the guy that was had road rage. Um, and, you know, the dad, everybody was attacked. And, and this person is still walking around and they had to get a lawyer, um, you know, and, and there was a lot because the mom, she, she um, you know, there's a. Um, I don't know if it was a sense of shame that she was carrying because she 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 wasn't able to communicate as well, you know, because oh, yeah. she didn't speak English. Oh. Um, but the daughter was speaking on behalf. And I was just yeah. imagine the weight that the children in that family are carrying because of that. And mm. just like, and these things are happening, you know, the yeah. where you live and, you know, um, you know, there are two different Americas, you know, and yeah. justice doesn't look like justice for everyone, you know, and mm-hmm. how have you persevered through this, you know? This- yeah. Um, so I, to, I mean, I know this is not coming out until May, but we've, um, I think today is the two year anniversary of the Atlanta, um, yeah. the spot workers yeah. that were murdered. And, um, so I've just been thinking through that a little bit, um, just recently, you know, kind of carry that, some of that grief and anger around in our bodies. Yeah. Um, mm. over the last few years, I think as some stuff has surfaced and been in the news, you know, barely, but has been there, um, I think I've really had to give some honest, you know, space for my feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, I think some of the anger that I've had really surprised me. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was always there. um, But there were some things that I was feeling that felt close to or just almost like rage inside um, Mm -hmm. that I really had to pay attention to and, and, and find some safe space to talk about it, you know, with others. Um, and mostly that's been other women of color or Asian American women, um, just because they've known, um, what I, what I'm talking about. And just also like, even just walking. I remember two years ago after everything feeling like I had to go outside and walk and I was so angry and I am very slow person normally, (laughs) but I was moving like at a light speed because that rage just needed somewhere to go. That anger, um, which was really just sadness and grief. Um, so I think giving it, giving it space, um, acknowledging that it's there, um, just pouring my heart out to God in it very honestly. Um, and then also in community and in safe community where I wasn't going to be met with, you know, just encouragement to become bitter, um, but also encouragement to, to put it away and, you know, not be divisive, um, because I bring up, bring it up. And so, um, so yeah, honesty and community. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, community is so important. Yeah. Um, I, I, what I've, I've seen out of this, uh, you know, um, sometimes people find their voice. I've seen people find yeah. their voice um, in this. I've seen um, organizations be birthed out of what is happening where where people needed representation. People needed their story to be heard from people that look like them, you know? Yeah. Um, and so you're you're seeing a rise of that. I've seen, I was talking to a young lady here in Atlanta who started a or she's a teacher. She started an organization for um, Asian American youth um, mm. to really have a place of belonging, um, a club of belonging. It's a um, like an entrepreneurship type club, but they also talk about everything. So there's just a lot of things that has really spurred a lot 
of people to yeah. really lead. And you're seeing this this, this generation, um, you know, it's like we respect our, our elders, and but we're not going to just you know, go along to get along. There's a um, yeah. that um, Pastor Peter Lim, who's the um, uh, the pastor of um, um, of um, I think it's Four um, Square Church here in in Atlanta. But he does a lot of stuff. With we partner with him a lot. Would be the bird. okay. But he was telling us that he gave the word. I cannot think of it right now. But it's a Korean word of of kind of like what how his parents would actually say. You know, you kind of gotta. Put your head down and you just keep pushing forward. Mm-hmm. Like you don't let it bother you, but you're like yeah. stuffing, um, yeah. you know, stuffing and like, and, and you know, and then this pain and anger. But I'm glad to see that people are talking, people are communicating, people are coming together. There is solidarity. And I think it's important. One of the things we do in Be the Bridge is to make sure that we know each other's stories, you know, because. Yeah. Those in the margins, sometimes we can be pitted against each other and mm-hmm. we don't know each other. We don't know our stories. We don't know the history. We don't. There's so much we don't know about each other. But when we sit down and we're able to have this discussion, we're able to find out more about each other and have more empathy for each other's yeah. story. And I think that's what I love Um about what what we do here at, at, at Be the Bridge, um, you you had a project that you worked with with the Voices of Lament with um, yeah. um, Natasha Robertson and so many other brilliant writers. One of um, the writers that um, wrote some of the liturgies um, is uh, Mariah Humphreys, who's also yeah. um, a part of Be the Bridge. Um, you, you shared a poem about Psalm thirty seven um, seven through eleven called Anger. Um, and I think that's your way of how you channel, you know, mm. what you're feeling. Um, and it says, anger, I will not tame her. Can you share a little bit about the collective work and what it meant to you yeah. about your poem? And I would love for you to read the poem. Sure. Yeah. I love everything that you shared. It's so beautiful, too, um, about just coming together and hearing each other's yeah. stories. Um, yeah, I think that um, being a part of that book was just um, such a gift. I feel like just being around um, the other women, being led by Natasha, being around women like Mariah and others um, was just, I just still am so grateful um, to hear their stories, um, not just have the writing together, but, you know, we would meet on Zoom and then I had like a schedule conflict. And so I would miss a lot, but the times that I was able to go, um, I just carried that with me. I feel like that was another thing that carried me through some of the difficulty, just knowing these other women were there um, who understood that depth of pain, some in very different ways, like you were saying, different stories, but like we could be together and we could commit to being together in it um, and expressing our lament together. That was huge. Um, So yeah, it was such an honor. And um, yeah, I would encourage anyone that hasn't read the book to get it um, because I think it's, it just gives a map to, um, for how to walk through lament, yes. you know, because we talk about that very often. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and I can read the poem. Um, it's anger, I will not tame her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of addressed some of that already, just dealing with my own anger. Um, and so this was kind of a poem, I guess, about and to anger. So yeah. anger, I will not tame her. Mm. Anger, I will not tame her. I will tend to her instead. My hands are not tied. They are busy with a work of love 
My mouth will not stay muted. It speaks prophecy and poetry. My mind is not empty. No, it remembers. Anger. I will not shush her. I will listen to her instead. My ears are not closed. They are open to the sound of suffering. My heart will not stay hard. It is soft like soil wet with the tears of a thousand clouds. My body will not stay rigid. It welcomes the wails of my ancestors. Comfort women, forbidden comfort. Hanyo, who know the dark depths of the sea, how it feels to be silent, swimming down, unafraid of the pressure, proud of holding their breath to feed a hungry nation. Anger. She tells me the sad stories and sins. She carries the weight of war and unjust systems. She wields the power of thunder, oceans, rivers, and rain. She is fire burning with a question, how long? She is something like courage. She roots our connected long suffering. She reminds us who we wait for. To refrain from her rage, I must first let her speak. Anger, show me your tears and your sorrow. Sing me your cries of not yet, your songs of the oppressed. Teach me how to hope for a better tomorrow and resign to the things I was never meant to burn down. I will wait with you like my Oma and her Omoni before her. I will look ahead for our God, a burning bush, a hot coal, a fire pit to stand beside while the rooster crows again, and we remember how much we need a savior who knows, who feels, who sees, who loves, who is worthy to bring justice, who doesn't delay. Anger, I will hope with you for a wide space of mended land. It's just ahead, a little while longer now. Anger, tell me about the places that are still broken. I will sit with you. While you become a glowing ember of warmth and light, I will seek what's still unseen. Let my heart be searched clean. I will bring you to a place to lie down and rest. Anger. Wow. Beautiful. I think in a culture that tells us that we must stuff our anger or mm -hmm. we cannot show our anger, um, that does a disservice to many yeah. of us, you know, and there's, but I think what we have to be shown is the proper way to channel our anger. Yeah. You know, um, and what that looks like, you know, um, for some it, people exercise for some <laughs> talking it out, um, you know, for some is screaming for some is, you know, riding a bike or whatever for writing, singing, whatever that yeah. looks like. But we, um, I think what we have to do is just teach people the, how, how to channel what we're feeling and, and, um, and that will help, but teaching us to stuff it and to pretend like it didn't happen. Yeah. Try to erase it. Um, that does a disservice because that is only going to turn into a, a, a huge mess right. <laughs> because it will explode. You know? yep. It will explode. And so um, what are some things, um, Tasha, that's bringing you hope um, in, this, mm. um, in this season? Yeah. Um, again, community, um, that's not redundant to say, but I think community, um, one of the things that, um, 
I kind of started, I don't know how many years ago I should know, but um, it was a group of Asian American women and started off with four women and it was out of desperation. Um, And it has grown. And one of the things we did um, a year ago was host this Hope and Han event and Han being the Korean word for that um, kind of intergenerational trauma, that stuffing of, Mm. um, you know, just suffering and carrying it. Uh Um, And I know it's used in other Asian cultures as well. And so we talked as a group about what it means to have that um, and the things that are passed down to us, you know, both from our ethnic cultural background and also our American Mm. history um, and also carry hope. And so I think even just being in community with other women and being able to talk about both things that we can have both things um, has given me a lot of hope. Um, And I think seeing more and more people um, just show up as their whole selves um, and kind of, you know, bringing belonging with them Mm. in their own bodies. Um, Not that it's, it's always welcome or always easy, but um, doing that. And then again, just doing that with others. I think that, that gives me a lot of hope. <laughs> yeah, that's good. What are yeah. the things that um, that you do that bring you joy? Um, I love. I didn't get that. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Siri, we did not invite you into yes, the conversation. Part of this conversation. <laughs> um, writing obviously brings me joy. Um, there's all kinds of emotions in that, but um, travel is something. Um, kind of when you were describing about just learning about other cultures, um, it's a big family value, um, and so even just thinking about travel. One of those people, I will like get on Airbnb and, you know, for 30 minutes, just like look for a place somewhere that we're not even going to, (laughs) you know, just to get this feeling of another culture. Um, So I love that. I love um, just learning about different things. Um, Right now, National Geographic shows are giving me a lot. Okay, okay. I know, so odd. So I was just watching this show called The Secrets of the Whales. Oh, okay. (laughs) I feel like it ties in, though, because they were talking about just the diversity of different whale groups and how they have their own cultures and languages and um i'm just fascinated so just learning um letting letting my curiosity lead um and then food is a huge joy um eating food um planning trips around food um yeah and then my family so (laughs) i love it i love it but you know what you can learn a lot from watching national geographic like yes and i'm like i'm fascinated about pandas and elephants yeah. You know, um, <laughs> so, so I get it. So you're you're speaking to someone that like, and some of that is just kind of like re- relaxing. Like you know, yeah. I like to watch pandas eat. I know. I, yeah. I just said that out loud. For real. Like, I well, I probably seen so. them like eat a carrot. Like, <laughs> like you're just like oh. <laughs> yeah. so, um, it's so fun. It's so great to. Um, to really talk with you and to have you on the podcast today. Um, you know, w- when this airs, it's going to be during um, AAPI month. You know, yeah. what would you say to those that are listening um, that are, you know, a, par- a part of your, your, your culture, your ethnicity, you know, during mm-hmm. this month, I know that, that, um, you know, that's Asian American Pacific Islander, 
months. So that's a broad base of of people groups. Um, But what would you say, what would you want people to get out of, um, you know, this month or this time? Yeah. Um, I would just say that, you know, know that you are worth Mm -hmm. a month of celebration and honor, but that you are worth far more months. And so, um, as you ingest that, like how, how can that help you take up space with yourself, you know, your whole self, um, not in a, you know, pushy way, but just really, um, you are worth it um, completely. So that's simple, but I think that's, that's what I would say. And every month, like you are who you are. Yes. days of the year. Yes. So I just say that that's just a month where you can show out a little bit where you yeah. allow people to, um, you know, this is where other people decide to recognize it, but you always recognize it. Like I always say yeah. like Black History Month. I mean, it's we should be really embarrassed. We have to have a Black History Month because I know our history <laughs> is American history. Like, you know, America would not be America with people that look like without people that look like you or people that look like me. And until we recognize that and stop trying to hyphenate things away and, you know, yeah. dash it away, um, we're doing ourselves a disservice. We're, we're not going to be all that we can be when we um, when we try to segment out, um, mm-hmm. you know, people groups and stuff. So I think yeah. it's really important that we um, I, I, we 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 live into what. Um, what we say, um, liberty and justice for all, you know, like what we say we represent, um, let it be truth to it. So I'm so grateful to, to, um, to meet you. Um, the book is tell me the dream again, reflections on family, ethnicity, and sacred work of belonging. And just so happens that your book launches in that month. And so that's why we're doing this this, having this conversation. So we'll actually put this out around the time that your book launches. So with it, um, uh-huh. people would, um, you know, have, um, you know, resources that they can yeah. buy. You need, look at your books that you have. Do you have books, you know, that are written by Korean Americans, you know, Chinese Americans, um, um, South Asian Americans, you know, um, you know, do you have books that are written by African Americans, you know, um, you know, Nigerians, you know, all of that yeah. is important, you know, um, you know, Latin A writers, like I think that's important um for us to have that. Look at your collection, you know, um, you know, look at the things that you watch and make sure that those are just the little things that you can do to start making your world a little bit bit larger. So um thank you so much for taking the time to um, meet with, um, talk with me today. It was my pleasure to to meet you. Now we know each other. Um, <laughs> you know, you got to tell me about your trip to uh, yes. Korea and what's that, what that is like for your family, the experience. Um, we, yeah. um, we stayed at, um, I think it was Hyundai Beach uh, when we were in um, oh, yeah. Busan. Um, we were right there by the water. It was so nice like it was incredible and fashion like let me tell you they are into fashion Koreans are into fashion yeah. and cute things everything has to be cute everything yeah. has to be cute whole culture whole culture of cute you know um and there's so many like little I haven't seen it here we may have it in cities in some other cities but um they have all these like selfie um, um, stores like it's stores where you go in to take selfies. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
this is so incredible. So, uh, so, so many things we have in common that we yes. don't know. So, um, thank you so much for all oh, thank you for your writing and um, all the um, just the beauty that you're leaving behind. I know you're your husband, your mom, your, your children, your father. I know they're all very proud of you. So, oh. thank you so much for sharing with the people. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Be The Bridge podcast. To find out more about the Be The Bridge organization and or to become a bridge builder in your community, go to bethebridge.com. Again, that's bethebridge.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate and review it on this platform and share it with as many people as you possibly can. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was edited, recorded, and produced by Trayvon Potts at Integrated Entertainment Studios in Metro Atlanta, Georgia. The host and executive producer is Latasha Morrison. Lauren C. Brown is the senior producer. And transcribed by Sarah Knatzer. Please join us next time. This has been a Be The Bridge production.